Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 244. Goodness. So I want to make just a couple of noteworthy things. One is I mentioned it on the puppy puppy last puppy podcast is I'm going to start filming some of the things that I'm talking about and uh, tying them on to this uh, this format. The, the podcast format so people can get access to uh, looking at what we're talking about because it's, you know, it just sounds great <clears throat> and I can just so peaceably describe it and it just makes a lot of sense. And then when you're out there, you and your dog, all of that is just gone. It's like, what is this? What's happening? I don't know what to do. Or what does this mean? What am I, you know, what I'm seeing? So I am going to... Uh, try and get some not long I mean we're talking about maybe a minute or two uh, of some film and a little bit of discussion about what we're looking at and then what's you know what in response to this what do we do and what do we get out of that so that's my project that I'm currently working on I think that should you know people really like the videos a whole lot and I tried that on the Facebook thing and that was pretty good but um, then you get a lot of other people weighing in, which, you know, that's fine with me, but it kind of clutters up try, people trying to really look at stuff and you can't, you're limited to how long you can have it on there and all that. So we're going to try this deal on the podcast related videos and see what we get. So I will make sure everybody knows about that, that and, and heavily oriented towards Upland stuff because people have a lot more questions about that. And there's a lot of varying information that you get on that. And so, you know, in the end, the dogs do all the talking, and I'd really rather do it that way. So that's the plan. Now, uh, today's podcast, I hope, is not going to be very long, but I want to readdress a subject that I address every year. And that is test season has already started, really. The field trials have been going for a while. You know, some of the uh, some of the AKC tests have started already in the warmer climates and the pointing lab tests have started on the East Coast. And now, you know, they're moving across the one here in Colorado is going to be uh, in a couple of weeks. By the, that reminds me of something, something else I want to announce to the listeners of mine that are somewhere in this area, you know, within you know Colorado maybe a little bit of Kansas Nebraska Wyoming little Utah New Mexico or something but the Rocky Mountain Pointing Lab Club is going to is hosting a, a snake avoidance uh, there hasn't been one that it, it's, not, it's not as easy as you would think to get that done there's a lot of uh, permits and stuff that have to be done but anyway they are hosting a two or three day however long however many dogs that they get snake avoidance program along with a vet there to who will provide a snake vaccine if someone is interested in that and explain how it works and all that if they're interested so that is going to be on the 15th of may so that's coming up that you can sign up on the rocky mountain pointing labrador website it's the Rocky Mountain Pointing Labrador Club. They have a website. You can sign up there. You can call any of the members or email officers or whatever and get information on it. But it's going to be a, de a snake avoidance thing. And for those who haven't heard of it, it is where a dog is, is shown that if you hear this or smell this, you want to go the other direction. 
And it can, people who get it done every year swear by it. And it, it doesn't always have to be every year. You know, some it, it works really well. Others, it, they have to come back and get a reminder. But apparently they've already, with the warmth that we have suddenly now, where we went from winter into uh, kind of a summer, there have already been a few snakes out. So if you're interested uh, on one of those days that weekend, get onto the website, Rocky Mountain Pointing Labrador Club, and sign up for that. Um, Nobody's ever done it and regretted it, so I'll just say that much. Anyway, that's coming up for, for those who, you know, call and ask a lot of questions if you want. They, the contact information is on there if you want to call and, and find out exactly what it means. But you do have to sign up because you have to really strategize and plan this out so that everybody gets their turn and all that. So that's, that's the other piece of news, sorry, <laughs> that I just about forgot. Now, back to... Getting ready for the test season. And I'm going to address more specifically hunt test stuff. Uh, not, not the field trial stuff. Um, I'll just leave that to them. Um, but I'm going to talk about getting ready for hunt tests, whether it's AKC, HRC, uh, or the uh, APLA. With the hunt tests that, that maybe you've already been to a few. But how to get ready, because people have ideas that, you know, some are very good and some are... A little more counterproductive than they might be aware so I want to throw out some ideas some thoughts not telling anyone how to do anything on how to get your dog ready for the test now I don't care whether you're go entry level junior started certified right you're going entry level or if you're on the other end of that and you're in the the master or the finished dog levels you know the highest levels where you do all kinds of trick stuff when you're going to do this, whatever it is you're starting out with, for one, make sure you know what the rules are. Make sure every one of these organizations has their rules posted online, and you can read specifically what the rules are. For example, if they say they're going to use ducks, then do make sure, for this is really for the newer, the entry-level guys, make sure that your dog retrieves some ducks, dead ducks. If they have flyers like AKC, live ducks or shot, freshly shot ducks. You don't want the first time they ever smell a duck to be after you paid a hefty entry fee and the dog runs out there and goes, what is this? Yeah, that can happen. So make sure you know what kind of birds they use or may use. Sometimes it could be one or the other, uh, different kinds. It could be a pheasant or a duck. It could be whatever. Just make sure that your dog has seen that before. Make sure you know what the rules are. Like, can I touch my dog? Can I not touch my dog? Uh, and by that, after you've signaled and all that, read it, read it. You know, you can't just go over when your dog doesn't come back to you and grab them by the nape of the neck, scruff and drag them in. You can't do stuff like that. So make sure that you are aware of that, including you guys up higher level, you know, APLA people. You can't touch your dog in the upland field or running marks. You can touch them in the Evelyn field if you think there's a sticker or you're going to water them or get a seed out of their eye, but you inform the judges first. I'm going to do this because I think he's got a sticker. So there's a lot of small things that are very, very important. Um, that, that Read that stuff. Read how long, you know, you know they, they're going to have marks that could be, you know, in AKC, you can go well over 100 yards at the higher levels. So find out. You know what what that's going to be like and understand what the rules are and AKC and APLA you cannot yell at your dog 
<laughs> you cannot scream no. You cannot intimidate them in any way. Make sure you understand what that means. Um, that's very important. Intimidation of dogs is not permitted in that stuff. They do. It seems like a little bit more yelling is okay in, in HRC, but I'm by no means. I haven't run those, so I can't speak from experience. Know what the rules are. Know what the birds are. Know the things that are going to happen. You know, and, and usually, and I'm going to use... I'm going to use AKC because I've run those for a million years in a junior, right? You get two landmarks and two watermarks. You may or may not have decoys in all three of the organizations. Generally, on the earlier levels, they kind of don't do too much of that because a lot of beginning people don't have a big bunch of decoys to train with, if at all possible, if you're associated with a club or a training group. Expose your dog to those things as much as possible just in case and you don't just I'll get to it you don't just do it by setting up stuff right in the middle of 50 decoys out in the water bouncing around they all look like attack birds if you've never seen them before so get someone to help you and do a really you know uh, an acquaintance you know let them see this plastic if you do a lot of plastic stuff with dokens and then there's a plastic duck out there that may make it retrievable so they usually have to learn no this plastic one floating around you know if it's dead and it's hanging the head is hanging underwater pick that one up but if it's just sitting there like that do not that's not something that you get and that has to be taught so make sure if you can uh, to the maximum that's why you join a club or a training group so you can get exposure to that stuff and don't just overwhelm your dog doing the acquaintance thing first teach them what it is uh, some dogs have never seen one and they get tangled up with the cord the string that goes from the decoy down to the thing holding it in place they get wrapped up in that then you spend three six months trying to get them unafraid of decoys because they attack you out there in the water so there's so much to that be take that into account and the duck things you just think that your retriever is just gonna go get a duck right because that's what they do no <laughs> some do and some because ducks are stinky shoot you and I could go out there and sniff one up if we had to um, they can be initially viewed as very icky so <laughs> teach them no this is not icky this is great and don't be one of those people that complains because the ducks weren't fresh enough for you because after two days of, a, of using them in a hunt test they're not fresh so Try and train with nice ducks and ducks that are not nice. Just whatever duck, whatever condition, just go get it. You will not regret that. Now, once you've read the rules and know what you can and can't do and what kind of leash or collar that you can or cannot wear, uh, there's things about your clothing. You know, most of these, I think all of them, you can't wear a field trial white jacket. You, you can't, you know, no aids in handling. You can wear darker clothing, I think HRC, right? You have to wear the camo stuff. Find out what the rules are about that because there are clothing stipulations that you need to be uh, aware of. Now, also all your gear, make sure your whistle, your gloves, if you use them, you know, your, your leash, your slip lead, whatever it is, your flat collar on the junior hunter, Make sure that you have all that stuff with you all the time. A lot of people, you know, they have basically a gear bag that travels with them. So if it's, there's a training opportunity at the test, everything is right there. You're not like, oh, I forgot my whistle. 
you know, now COVID's kind of waning. In the COVID days, nobody would get anywhere near somebody else's whistle. So just have your gear bag, have your stuff with you. Because on game day, when you're new especially, or just real nervous, it's so easy to forget one really important thing. So try and have that part taken care of before you ever get to the test. Now, in terms of prepare, you have two creatures to prepare for an event of any type at whatever, beginning level, finish level. The dog and the handler. And you need to have both of them prepared. Because any of us that have done this for any extended period of time have watched somebody handle themselves right out of a pass. <laughs> Nothing to do with the dog uh, uh, because of be not being prepared, not having thought ahead about what do I do if this happens. Um, so make sure that we need to have your dog very prepared and then we need to have you very prepared. And one of the best ways that in my world that I have found to do that is not to go practice running the tests. I, I just don't go practice running the test. I know everybody wants to do that. Oh, I'm running a senior. Let's go set up senior hunter test. You know, if you have to do that once or twice before the event so that you are comfortable running a double and a blind uh, in, within the purview of how they, how, what it has to be for that particular event, then do that a couple times maybe. But that's mostly for you. A little bit for the dog, but mostly for you so that you know that you can handle the multiple retrieves and then turn around and run a blind over to the side so that you have done it and you realize that you can do it. That's important. Now, if you think you're all hot stuff and <laughs> this is nothing, that's also equally vulnerable because something's going to happen that in your complete relaxation about, I got this, you didn't think of or you weren't expecting. So no matter how experienced or inexperienced you are, I'm going to say like always, stay humble, stay aware, pay attention, and do the very best job you can on that day. In preparing, both of you, but in preparing your dog, think about, it's game day. And I'm going to use the mid-level, the senior or the seasoned level or the advanced level in the pointing stuff. You're going to go run that. So you have multiple marks and you have blinds. You don't have a water blind over in the advance, but you have a land blind. So you have all this stuff. How do, what, or I don't care, master on any, all of those, the highest level. If you want to go run that, what state of mind do you want your dog in? You're all worried about you and making sure the dog has run enough tests that they can run the test. Instead, what would you like that dog's state of mind to be on game day, on the day you go do this? Th think about that. What would you like? For one, you would like them to enjoy this. They haven't been out just getting hammered and in trouble for doing all these things wrong. There's no enjoyment in any of that. So we don't want that going into the test. We want them to go, oh, good. We're going to run a set of marks. You want that. You want the dog confident that whatever it's going to go do, it can do. Versus a dog that's been getting in trouble or been doing really hard stuff that is trying really hard to figure out while it's doing it. And now we go to the line and it's going up there with a, oh, uh-oh, I don't know, what is this? And they don't have that 
thing that personally every dog I ever ran you know what I wanted I don't care what level starting going for the triple crown right master national finisher I want him walking up going all right what is this I got it let's see I can do this stuff that's the mindset I want on that dog not me I want to stay kind of hungry but I want my dog going I know I can do this and the way for me I have always gotten dogs into that state of mind one they're not scared they're not worried they don't look out there and go oh no I don't know what's going to happen or just look out and just be worried because they're not used to walking out going okay I got this the way you get that is one by doing a lot of singles and by whenever you set up a set of marks and I did a whole thing on that just a few weeks ago on setting up marks I'm going to set up marks that are not always the same, that are not the same distance, that are not the same concept. I'm not going to be practicing all kind of concepts. The first thing I want a dog is it can mark a single well. Looks out there, stays focused on the one bird down, and goes, I got this and I can go get it. Whether it's 50 yards out and laying open in a field, or whether it's 170 yards out through two stands of cover. I want them to be able to do that single, feel like they can do it, noodle it out. And you get them that way by doing a lot of singles that are wisely set up. Not just one where, yeah, let's put one over there, one over there. You go One that has some thought behind it. If you don't know how to put thought behind it, get with someone who does. Run a lot of singles. That's not cool, right? That's not cool. Oh, we could have a quad in our master. Let's do quads. Um, gosh, I've almost rarely, rarely, rarely do I ever do a quad. Mostly just to see what this dog does, but I don't do it in preparing for anything. But I want a dog that sees one bird goes down, go down, stays on it, thinking this is probably it. Until now we have a quack or a shoe, whatever we've got on another station, and they're like, ah, another one. And then they stay on that one. And then you can even have a third or a fourth, right? But they stay on one, focused, expecting to go get that one, until they find out there's another. When you do multiples all the time, they just catch that bird in the arc, right? When it's just in the air and go, got it, next. And if somebody knows how to set up marks you in bird placement, just because they saw it in the arc, you know, some do. Some are so good, they, they can just noodle that stuff out. Others are like, okay, I think it, I think it was over here. You do that by running a lot of multiples. Dogs don't have to run a lot of multiples to be able to run a multiple well. Dogs need to mark really well on multiple birds. So go ahead and have three or four gunners out in the field. Go ahead and do that. But just go get one at a time. And then they, they won, they know they can do whatever the mark is. They aren't going to have to go, okay, I remember that one. I, didn't, I don't think I saw that one. I, okay, I got that one. They don't have any of that. They just go, there it is. And that's the only thought in their head. And that is going to be a lot easier for that dog to get to that bird on test day because they're so used to just focusing that much. So work on the focus and the ability to mark singles really well a lot more than counting to three, two, three, or four. And then to make yourself feel better, not with killer hard stuff. Go do a, a two, three, or four if it makes you feel better. But don't make them killer hard. Just don't do that. Now I'm going to switch over real quick.
to the, uh, the blind running stuff. And I feel very strongly about this, just because I've had it work for me on, you know, subpar dogs um, for so long, is that one, especially on a blind, especially on blinds, that's where people always have a lot of problems. Got to have good basics. They got to go and stop when you tell them and then go again. You got to have the basics. All right. Once you, when you have that, you have to practice a million blinds. Dogs don't start out good. You didn't start out being a killer good driver first time after somebody showed you how the brake and gas and all that stuff works. And then you had to drive in traffic. Holy cow. Right? It took a while before you became at least a reasonably good driver. So running blinds for a dog is the same way. There's so much there. and They don't see it the way you do. They don't interpret things. It's, they're doing a different thing than most of us think. And so it's, they're kind of complicated, and then they get confused, and then we think they're refusing, and then all this stuff happens. Right? To, to be able to go run, I don't care what, what kind of blind. Now, I'm going to say this first. The better trained your dog is and the better handled, the better those tests seem to be when they set them up. When you got a weak spot or you're not very good at something, it's just amazing how not very good those tests are. So the answer to however good your judges and the test setup is, is to have a dog that marks and handles. So if they set up a set of marks that are like, what the heck is that? Your odds of getting through it because your dog has confidence and marks well, much better than a dog that's sharing your, oh no, what is that? And it's all funny and the dog's never seen the kind of contrary setups. Just really good to have a dog that runs all singles in the dog's mind and marks really well. On blinds, on blinds, and people set up blinds that are too easy. I always like that. They set up blinds that are way too hard. I encounter that a lot because they want to impress us with their cleverness or they don't even know it's hard. <laughs> so you get that too. But if you have a blind or anything in between, what you need is a dog, one, who trusts you, which means you can't be killing them all the time and blaming them for everything and getting them mad and that darn dog. If you do that, the dog will not trust you. But if the, you are very consistent in what you communicate, don't get in over your head on, oh, do people love to do that, especially if they think their dog's pretty good. All right, let's do this one blind. And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's an all-age blind. That's, <laughs> okay, are we teaching or testing here? I think we're just testing. We're not teaching anything. In your blinds that you run in training, you can test every now and then just to kind of see if you and the dog are up to it. But if you do what I'm talking about, you can survive most reasonable blinds. And that is you have a dog, one, that trusts you, two, that doesn't argue with you. And if they argue with you, you did that, not them. So they're not out there going, no, 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 I'm sure it's over here. Okay, you've got to <clears throat> make sure that by running a lot of blinds, the dog learns, hey, when he throws up that left hand, i got to go that direction, somewhere that direction. That's a training thing. And it's not done by doing killer hard blinds. It's by doing a lot of blinds. Not killer ones, but just a lot of blinds. So pretty soon they just give their best effort to take the cash you gave them. They don't have to be perfect. They just have to give you effort. But you set up land blinds. This one's just right out in the middle field. Just go and keep going. Kind of go long. Don't, and if, you know, if they're popping, don't kill them for anything. 
if they're popping, there's a reason. There's something that happened. Figure out what that is. Um, get them where they trust you and believe you. Then that kind of stuff goes away. You got to think a lot and practice a lot to do that. Get them where they go and they stop and they give you good effort. And then get them where you can do that and run them through what, all the things that can be. There's a, some cover. There's a big old down tree that they can easily hop over. Teach them. When I cast you over a, an obstacle, that's, I won't ever cast you over something you can't handle. But if I do, go. So when you set up three, four blinds to just go practice blinds. Don't always do multiple marks with a blind in between. Don't, you know, run your marks. Then go run four or five blinds if it's not too hot or too, terrain doesn't support that. And, you know, and this one is straight and this one's through some cover and this one's over the big log. And you might have to move up and work, work on it. Go do some no-no drills where you teach them. Go over a log if I cast you. Very simple stuff. Teach them. Just give me effort and go where, trust me, just go where I need you to go. You don't put it all on one big scary blind and go, oh, my dog just blew up. Look at that darn dog. Teach them bit by bit all those little pieces that you might encounter. Long, some short, some middle, some long. Some longer than anything you'll ever run in competition so the dog does not become distance-based but just response-based and tries to do what you ask. If they start getting all crazy towards the end, then do, you know, just slow down, make them sit there, take the crazy out, and teach them, you know, whether you're 50 yards or 250 yards from me, it's all the same. Still got to pay attention, still got to take the cast. That requires that you remain calm without emotion to keep them that way. You'll notice when you get emotional, so do they, and it kind of blows up. So you're the controlling factor there. Make the change where you need to. In the water, same thing. You do not have to do a long, water, a long land entry into water, angle, shoreline, over the point, past that point. You know, don't, don't do that. Just don't do that. Because the dog's going to look out and go, oh, God, what's going to happen? Because they don't know what little tricky stuff. So it's much easier if you have a dog that you have taught first. Taught, always teach, teach. Okay, when I point you at water, you get in. That's when we're two feet off the shore, 20 feet off the shore, 50 feet off the shore. I point you at water, you get in. You teach that concept by itself. And not by killing them so much as by having strong basics. Water swim by, I ought to teach them that really well. And then teach them, and eh, we'll back off, and you still got to do it. Now, teach them to get in the water. Now, the thing that you want to teach them to do is to stay in the water. Gonna teach them to stay in the water. And yeah, I'm talking about master national caliber dogs. Go out and practice staying in the water. So, we're going to step back 20 feet, and you're going to swim to the end of this pond. Just to the end of the pond. And maybe it's 175 yards. Swim to the end of the pond. Stay in the water. Most people will not take the time to do that because it takes a while. And then your dog is going, really, I want to get out. Teach the dog, one, when I point you at the water, you get in. Two, stay in the water till you get to the end of it or I tell you to do something different. That is going to be highly useful to you when you need them on some tricky-dicky, overly technical water blind that they got to stay in the water. 
it's going to be a lot easier than one that has never had to stay in the water for four or five minutes or however long it would take. Probably not that long, but you've taught them, hey, man, just stay in the water. So now when they got to not get off over on this shoreline thing and get out, stay out there a little bit, way easier to do that in an event because you taught them that stuff. And then you can go ahead and teach stuff like sometimes you're going to swim alongside the shore, you know, 10 feet off. Stay in the water. So you take your stay in the water thing and teach that counts even when you're kind of shoreline And then you can teach them, you know, the in and outs and the angly things. It's like stay in the water. Okay, get out. Okay, get back in. Just if you have those tools, get in the water, close or far, stay in the water, get out when I cast you out, get back in when I cast you in. If you want, then your dog's not afraid. Because they can handle that. Whether they're the smartest dog in the world or very much not the smartest dog in the world, they can handle those very simple concepts. So then you just use that. And if you get some gnarly, long angle entry, you know, shoreline over this point, not over that point thing, it's all a matter of get in, stay in, get out, get back in, stay in. It, it's all of that. And that dog is not afraid. That dog is not looking out at that going, oh my God, what's going to happen? They're looking out going, okay, I'll get in the water. And then you can go ahead and handle them. Like I said, I've gotten some very, what I would call not your most brilliant blind running dogs to just always pass that stuff because they just trusted me and they just did what I asked. Not because they ever got hammered or we practiced big old gnarly blinds like that. I've almost never practiced blinds like that. But I do practice that communication. Get in, stay in, get out, get back in. And, you know, unless your dog just has one of those days, which they do, you can generally master most blinds. So if you prepare in that way for game day at whatever level, it takes time, it takes thought, it does, you can't go along at the crowd, well, we're doing a triple with a double blind today, okay, that's what I'll do, you know, if you're going to go along with the crowd, don't even listen to my podcast. If you want to teach your dog, then take whatever they've got and say, okay, I'm going to run three singles and then I'm going to, you know, either not run these blinds because I don't want this kind of a thing. Or then after I do my turn throwing birds, I'm going to go over and run four or five blinds over here. Any of you guys want me to just run them with me when you're done? <coughs> Excuse me. So that kind of thing. So your dog never gets destroyed for something it, it never is that darn dog trying to do stuff to you but when you teach and teach and teach and the dog get, gains confidence gains trust in you and what you're saying understands the communication you never let that crazy place develop which often happens when you think you got it all and you're going too fast and you bring them up believing that, you know okay i got singles today and three singles go down and they go get them one at a time, only looking at one at a time. And when you look at it the same way, okay, we got three singles out here. I'm going to just stay on that one till the next one goes off. And I'm going to just stay on that. And I'm just going to, these are three singles. And you keep that in your mind. I know because I've run that in my head so many times. You know, it's like three singles. And I just stay as calm as possible. And then my dog just goes and runs three singles. And then I don't care what blind they do. You know, I've taught them to go buy a crate of birds. 
I've taught them to go over the log if it's there. Not that they always do that all perfect. But I'm just saying the dog and I kind of know, okay, I got this. Yeah, you smell that? Go keep on going past it. Oh, all right. Because we've done that in lots of very simple, straightforward practice. So when you know the basics, like my old analogy of algebra tests, you don't get better at taking algebra tests by taking algebra tests. You get better at algebra tests by really understanding the basics of algebra. Then they can throw any tests they want at you because you understand the building blocks, the principles of all that, and you just put them together however you need to. And it's exactly that way. Feels a lot better than going up there just praying you set up the right tests for the last month trying to go do this test. So that's today's. I didn't mean for it to go a half hour, but it did. But anyway, just take it easy on your dog. Make things very simple and straightforward. And when they think of them that way and you think of them that way, then the test kind of winds up that way. And you'll also find the tests are way better than they used to be, and the judges just seem a lot smarter than they used to be. Really, really nice way to go. So that's this week. Enjoy the spring weather. I think most people, I don't, maybe even South Dakota, is starting to get a little bit in the water now. So that's good for all of us. Um, anybody interested in that snake thing, look at it, because that's real important if you're out in the fields in the very warm weather that we're going to have with these dogs. So... Make sure you have a look at that. I wish everybody uh, a happy spring, and I will be back soon.